Welcome to Sassy. I'm Annie Merlowski and I'm your host. Each week we share the inspiring stories of female leaders throughout the tech industry. Thanks for joining us as we dive into the inspiring stories of career growth and development from women who are leading technology as we know it. Joining us today on Sassy is Corthe Zarchevsky, Lifecycle Marketing Consultant at EverNow. Thank you so much, Corthe, for joining us today on Sassy. We are so excited to have you here. We'll talk a little bit about your career. And so I wanted to kick off and share some of the key milestones and experiences that shaped your career and what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of the key milestones have actually been job changes. I would say that's how I sort of think about the evolution of my career since I started. I started in advertising and then went over into sort of a more traditional marketing field at Dyson. And then I moved into into tech a few years ago at a startup. And I think each of those changes really presented a very unique challenge. And it was doing something new that I hadn't done before. I never really did kind of a lateral move. And so those are really the milestones that added to my experience and my knowledge and my expertise and really brought something new to the table that have then sort of ultimately evolved and brought me to where I am today. And so you decided to kind of leave the corporate world and go to the agency side, starting your own agency. Tell me a little bit about why you made that jump. Yeah, well, I um, I had a baby. And so and then my my job was unfortunately impacted by a chapter 11 filing. And just sort of with the circumstances of life, I made the decision to sort of strike out on my own and see, I don't know if I'll do it forever. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. We'll see. But really kind of wanted to have the opportunity to take on challenges that I was really excited about and have a little bit more flexibility and and ownership over what I was doing and then be able just to learn faster by joining different companies and helping them with with what they needed in their marketing space a lot focusing on on life cycle that's awesome i i can definitely understand that experience on the agency side i've i worked in an agency myself and one of the things i thought was really fun was getting a taste of different businesses and getting to learn you know from everything in my instance i learned it from everything about like how do you market into cattle companies to you know more like professional services and so it's really kind of fun to not just be focused mhm yeah i love having a new challenge and so what's sort of that new piece that we need to unravel and sort through and I definitely sort of need to always have that stimulation. And so that's the wonderful thing about being able to jumping into new products and new clients is really being able to sort of tackle those those new challenges versus, you know, doing the same thing in and out every single year. That's awesome. One of the things that I always think is really interesting is, you know, none of these jobs existed when we were kids. Nobody grew up and said they wanted to work at a B2B agency. So what is it that you wanted to be as a child? And do you think that that ties into what you're doing today in some way? Yeah, I, I wanted to be a writer, fiction writer when I was a kid. And, you know, maybe I still will one day. We'll see. I always tell myself when life settles down, I'll do it. But I don't know if it'll ever really settle down. And I think it does tie in. You know, I was an English major. I've always loved books and people and stories. And I think when you think about marketing, that's really sort of at, at the core of it who people are, what makes them tick, what's the right information, how to present that information are all sort of connected with with that interest in writing and, and reading and just books in general. And so I think there's a lot of crossover there. And certainly what I'm doing now and, and the technical components of it is very different and new. But I think 
at its core, that message and figuring out how to deliver it is, is very much aligned with, with, with what I had when I was a kid and, and maybe yet we'll still, we'll still do in the future. Well, it's just a different kind of storytelling, right? It's yes. what kind of, are you telling, you know, fiction stories that you've made up or are these stories of, you know, real world situations and real problems? Yeah, exactly. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, is there a challenge that you've overcome? Obviously, you know, you're in this process where you've launched an agency after going through a company closing. So maybe that's something you'd like to focus on, or if there's something else that you'd want to share, what's a challenge that you've had and how have you kind of made it through that? Yeah, I think that, as you said, is definitely sort of the challenge of the moment right now. However, I think actually a bigger challenge that's really shaped and I would say actually gave me the confidence to take on this new role and and this new kind of agency space was about, oh gosh, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. I I was tasked with taking on a new function at the company that I was at that I was not familiar with. It's a, with taking on lifecycle, a subset of sort of general marketing, and I did not have the technical expertise and experience. And that that proved it was very challenging. It was definitely scary, but really sort of taking and trusting the process and leaning on my colleagues and really sort of believing that it could be done and taking the learning curve in in stride gave me really a lot of that confidence to then go forward. And I think when I think of sort of this, like a big step change in my career and a big pivot, that is the one. Everything else I think was sort of building up to that. And, and as I said earlier, you know, I've always kind of taken on a new challenge every time I've switched roles and a new position. And that was not one where I didn't change companies or places, but I definitely changed position and being able to just navigate that, I think is kind of the biggest, the biggest challenge on, on, I guess, you know, more personal note. Well, for our listeners who might not be as familiar with marketing, can you explain a little bit about what is Lifecycle and why that's important in the B2B space? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's a little hidden gem in in the marketing world that we all experience it day in and day out, all of the emails and app pushes and, and messages that you get from different companies. But Lifecycle is really sort of taking in, once we've brought someone in and we've, they've, they've become aware of us, they've become interested, whatever degree of interest that may be, and then pulling them in closer and getting them more engaged and, and part of the community and, and company that we're building. And so for different for different structures, that looks very different, whether it's, you know, let's come bring you back to your checkout, you left you with that item in your cart, and let's get you to check out or whether it's bringing you in to, to finish a service and follow through with all of that. And so that's what I took on. And it's a very technical component, because at its best, it really relies on a very strong data structure. And it's a lot of working with engineers and working with the kind of the backbone of the business. And so you have to really take that in and, and navigate that in addition to then layering on the marketing on top. So it's a little bit of the, the art and science side of yes, very business. much so, which might which makes it fun, which makes it fun. That's awesome. So as a woman, how do you maintain your work-life balance? And do you feel that you've had different experiences from perhaps your male peers, you know, throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, you know, what exactly uh, different of experience because I'm not I'm not sort of experiencing what they are, but I do think it is, especially in this now kind of more remote hybrid world and post post COVID, navigating 
the work-life balance and really trying to set good boundaries. I've been very lucky in my career to have really amazing managers and mentors and bosses who have been excellent examples of that and taking time for themselves and you know, taking their vacations or, you know, if it's a Friday and it's been a really long week, sort of really celebrating the work that's been done and taking that moment. And I think just being able to sort of stop and pause and celebrate and then setting those boundaries really has helped me personally sort of achieve a, a good balance, if you will, instead of just sort of constantly grinding and constantly going to the next thing. And then also too, I think, and this is something that I've really had to learn the hard way and has taken time in my career to really get good at is not sort of sweating the small stuff and wanting to to do the best, but not necessarily needing to labor over every single detail and having more peace with what's going to be put, what sort of the finished product is going to be allows for a little bit more of that space and less stress. Uh, And actually, I think in many ways turns out a better product and and sort of plan or campaign, what have you, whatever it is that we're ultimately working towards, instead of sort of really stressing over all the little details, which then leads into everyday life and makes it harder to sign off, makes it harder to turn off and not get that rest that really is critical to doing your best. Well, now that you're on the agency side, how has that changed how you maintain that balance? Because I know you know, in an agency, you could, you could keep working all day long. Um, yes. <laughs> Especially when, you know, it is my own, it is my own business. And so if I'm not working, nothing is, nothing is working, right? It's very different than being at a full-time position where there's sort of a big massive engine that's moving forward. Um, and I think there it's really just setting good habits and boundaries and reminding myself, you know, it may be 10 o'clock at night, but I don't have to answer that right now. It, or it's, it's bath time. And I'm going to prioritize being really present for that and being there with that moment with my daughter and not necessarily sort of drawing myself back over. So I think that really comes just down to like self-discipline and being able to kind of hold myself accountable that the work's going to get done and it's going to get done well, but I can, I can take it in stride and I don't have to, again, kind of, as I said earlier, sort of labor over every little single, single detail. Well, and I think that being present piece is so important in our day-to-day lives with just the amount of technology. Like it doesn't have to be work sometimes. It's pulling you away from those moments of being present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then you mentioned a little bit that you had, you know, really amazing mentors. I'd love to hear about one of the mentors that's really helped you along your career path and why, why do you feel that they are a mentor? Yeah, I think the, I've had it. As I said, I've been really just so lucky kind of from every single one of my jobs. I feel like I've gained a little mentor who I turn to at sort of every single career moment. They always know something's happening because they they get a call from me to <laughs> to talk about what what should we do? Can you help me sort of think through what the right next step is? But the the mentor that's been really sort of with me the longest and has provided really amazing advice is uh, a woman named Alejandra Rubio, who I worked with when I worked in advertising at the beginning of my career. And I think she is just someone that really exemplifies to my point earlier about doing the work and and not sort of sweating the little stuff and really, but trying to also really think critically and deeply about what the problem is and what sort of potential and kind of trying to take that 10,000 foot view of problems. She's been an amazing guide. And then just someone to really help navigate the work world and with with children and with a busy life and sort of how to say yes to things that will fulfill and be exciting and interesting and new challenges, but also not take away 
from and sort of be a, a, a drain on time and, and energy. That's awesome. I think that that's a great mindset to have too. What is one of the things that you really look for when you're deciding what companies you want to work with? You know, as an agency, you kind of get to, it's a double-sided street, right? You get to pick who you want to work with and they pick who that they want to work with you. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how do you vet the companies that you want to work with? And, you know, what are the ones that you feel like you are, you know, most successful with? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm, I'm a really strong believer in I am who I am, and I'm going to be able to offer sort of my skills and my unique perspective wherever, wherever I go. And I want to be at a place that's interested in that perspective and is sort of excited about that and a kind of maybe specific example, but I think it applies to how I think about it. When I started my career and I was in, you know, or even before sort of quote unquote started when I was in college, I would show my resume to a bunch of people and say, what do you think? Will you you give me feedback on my resume? And it started to become really uh, interesting and apparent to me that I, one, one person would say, oh, I love the way you've got those sort of bullets of strengths at the top. And another person would say, oh, I don't, I don't like that at all. That's, I think that's a waste of space. You should just do examples. And what I started to really understand is everyone has a different way of what they think is going to be the best. And it, it's going to be different for everyone. And so if I sort of put forward the forth, the, the things and the present myself in the way that, that I would do it. And the people that respond well to that, those are the people that I'm going to really love working with. And those are the, those are going to be the places where I'm going to be happy and probably be able to continue, contribute well and, and thrive. And so that's sort of with, whether it's in an interview or something, I think, you know, you can, you can falter too much in worrying that, oh, well, they didn't like, you know, that didn't go well. They didn't like me, but maybe if they didn't like you, that's an indication that it, that it isn't the right fit. Kind of going back to like, if, if that's not how they would put the resume together, I know it's a very specific example, but I think those things are ways to get some of those early indicators because until you start working with people, you don't really know what you're signing up for. So being able to really get into the weeds on that. And then I think secondly, trying to find a place that has people who can really articulate what the opportunity is, what the challenges are, what needs to be done, who have a really clear view and vision tend to be people who, from, from my experience and my interest in what I'm looking for, are the ones who have a really good grasp on what needs to be done and are sort of some of the best to work with and to learn from. Awesome. That definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think that that allows you to really determine that success long-term. And then what is a piece of advice that you would give to women who are pursuing a path in SaaS, whether it be on the marketing side of the house or the sales side of the house? You know, how would you advise somebody who says, hey, I want to work in tech? Yeah, I think jumping into tech, especially as someone who did it sort of midway through through my career, the technical knowledge can certainly be scary and a lack of knowledge and not having that can potentially be a deterrent, I think, to taking on that challenge and getting in. And I think, you know, the piece of advice that I would say is everyone's kind of trying to figure it out. No one has the exact answers. And if you're a really strong thinker and you can kind of tackle a problem, you can do really, really well. And they need, you know, they need smart people because these things are a lot of times are being built from sort of nothing. And so it's not as though there's some big existing structure that you know, we're trying to replicate exactly. And so I don't think that should be a deterrent. I think women sometimes, you know, there's everyone always says, if you if we don't fit everything on the job description, you know, we don't apply. And I think with 
with SaaS that can be really, really relevant because they're, you know, a lot of times you read those job descriptions and there's some really technical aspects and components of it that could, you know, make people want to stay away. But I think just really remembering that everyone's, everyone's trying to figure it out and you can always learn anything if you have kind of a really solid foundation and whatever aspect of the business you're trying to get into, you can be a really valuable team player. That's awesome. And I think that, you know, thinking about how can you present that you're ready to learn is a really Mm -hmm. smart way of kind of spinning those skills that maybe you don't have or that you, you know, maybe you don't have as much strength in, especially I think in the, the economic climate that we're in right now, you know, you go onto LinkedIn and you see, you know, there are a lot of people who are experiencing either layoffs or career transitions. And so it's, it's definitely a, it's competitive, right? It's a very highly competitive space. And I'd be curious a little bit since you've kind of struck out on your own doing the, you know, the fractional consulting style work. You know, I feel like that's a big trend right now is that these tech companies, these big tech companies are cutting their budgets, particularly in, you know, things like marketing or customer success where they can then outsource. What do you feel like is the future of that as we are making our bets, right, on what's going to happen over the next couple of years in tech? Yeah, it's such a good question. We are so in a moment. I feel like every time you get on LinkedIn, there's someone else who's who's putting out their their website, and I'm definitely part of that trend. But I think, you know, I think there are benefits and drawbacks to being at a company at, in this in this position because you can bring a really a level of expertise that's really needed, but there is um, also, you know, there can be something that's challenging of you're not in the weeds, you're not in the day to day, you're not in, you know, the 10 million meetings that are happening during the week and sort of being able to triangulate, oh, that team over there is working on that. So that then that'll impact, you know, what maybe I'm doing over in my corner. And so, but I think with that, I think it'll be here to stay to a degree. I think especially with this shift to like remote work and especially especially as a mom who has kind of a very busy life outside of, you know, the nine to five day to day that as we all know is not really nine to five, being able to have that flexibility, I think great talent is going to go in that direction. And if people want to hold on to great talent, there's going to have to be some flexibility in work style and some of those challenges of not having people be 100% in the weeds on on the full business and all of that will will kind of be be worked out. And as I said earlier, you know, don't sweat the small stuff too much. It, it does end up kind of sorting itself. So I I think and I hope that there is a solid trend that stays in this direction. The world has spread out so much since COVID. People are everywhere, and so I hope that it stays and that it's a way to sort of bring great people together, either for something, one project that's short and done or something that's long-term and really be able to kind of bring all the best minds that you can find together in a way that's that's feasible versus sort of a bunch of full-time. No, I love that idea. And I think that the, the flexibility aspect has become so important for so many people. And it, I think that it's going to continue that, you know, what does flexibility mean? I don't know if you've seen recently, there's been some video trends of lazy girl jobs and they're talking about remote work and how that's a lazy girl job. And I think it's kind of interesting because obviously it's not a lazy girl job. Like obviously, like you may go pick up your groceries in the middle of the day, but that's the same as if you would have gone to lunch in the middle of the day at the office. And plenty of times when I was going to the office, I would go pick up my groceries in the middle of the day, even though I was still in the office. And so it's definitely curious to see the perception of remote work and 
I personally don't think the lazy girl mentality is like, that's not accurate. And that's definitely not what I would want to brand remote work as. I don't think that that's no one who's working remote is lazy. Yeah, I think especially in and this has been such a part of that conversation as well, just for people who have kind of a really busy personal life, whether that's family or whether that's not kids and just busy other interests, you you're sort of the opposite of lazy if if remote work is something that is really going to fit well into your schedule because you actually have so much going on. I mean, sitting in traffic for two or three hours or commuting on the train, that's, I mean, we're just sitting there. It's hard to make that time really valuable. I think remote work, you get so much more out of it. And, and obviously everyone has to kind of put it, put the pieces together as they put it together. And I'm sure there's a wide spectrum of how effective people are. And, and it's, I think it is it's just so dependent on person and company. But yeah, the lazy girl, I have seen that floating around. And I think, yeah, in many ways, it's the, yeah, as I said, it's the opposite of lazy. There, you have so much else going on. You need to be able to be so focused on the time that you're going to be working to really be able to deliver and bring everything to the table that you can. Well, and I think, you know, the, the flip side is that when you return to an office or if you have, you know, some day-to-day meetings that you have to go into, it becomes almost a challenge because you've accepted that you don't need five-minute break in, in between meetings. But in person, you do because you actually physically have to move. And so, you know, you can log off of a remote call and immediately log into your next remote call. And that's just not realistic. So I think there is some efficiencies that we've picked up that you would lose when you have to walk from one side of a building to the other side of a building just to make it to a meeting. Yeah, 100%. I mean, thinking back to being in person, and I haven't been in person for a number of years now, but just the day to day and chit chat or making lunch and you, you know, chat with that person, I mean, we, you know, you'd spend, you'd spend a couple hours, you know, of the day by the end of it. And now I think to your point, you're kind of, you're being really productive in the time that you're sitting and, and dedicating to work and then all that kind of extraneous time. Now I will say I've always, I always am a believer in kind of the casual, you know, the casual like coffee zoom and the benefit of that. I do think that's really important for people to have those moments and build those really, those kind of casual relationships or at the beginning of the meeting, let's definitely take five minutes and talk about, I don't know, something, whatever happened last week or you know, talk about how Barbie broke a billion or something sort of to bring that warmth and energy It's not all business all the time. But yeah, it does. I think there is a, a sense of productivity that, that comes with it. Well, I think you're right. It takes that intention to continue to build those relationships. Like I think coffee Zooms are so fantastic, especially if you're embedded in an organization that's fully remote. There are people who you will never interact with face to face. And so if you don't extend that olive branch, so to speak, you may never learn that, hey, they're actually really closely intertwined with what you're doing. And just even getting their feedback would be good on it. Mm -hmm. And having that space when you're in person, there are those moments for kind of casual conversation. Oh, I'm working on that. I'm working on this thing. You know, can you give me your thoughts while we're getting our coffee or tea or what, you know, what, what have you. And so I think, yeah, having being really intentional about, hey, let's can we just set up like a bi-weekly 15 minutes. And I don't know what we'll talk about, but if I've got something that's sort of that I need to just think through and talk out loud, will you be a partner with me in discussing that? I think it is really so valuable and has what's helped me kind of develop really actually nice relationships with the people that I've worked with, even though I've never met many of them in person. I love that. That's such a great idea. And it's, it's a fantastic suggestion for everybody who's working remote. So to kind of close our conversation, you know, you said you wanted to be a writer. So I'd be really curious, you know, what is your must read or watch right now? It can be personal, can be professional. You could share one of each. But I think we all need, you know, that little something to do outside of our day-to-day of work. 
Yeah, I'm reading Covenant of Water right now, which is fabulous. It's a new book out and I'm, I'm trying to read it slowly so that kind of like how it's that trend to like drip episodes out, you sort of watch like one at a time versus taking it all in at once. So I'm trying to to take it slowly because it's been a wonderful read. And that's kind of for me, I have to say show wise, we're kind of at a zero right now. We need to find something new, but that's kind of where we are. Well, I commend the idea of taking books a little bit slower because I'm, I can't do that. I have to, the entire series has to be released because I'm just going to read through the entire thing. Some of them are hard. I know you can just blow right (laughs) through, but then you have sort of, you have to like, you mourn the end of it. You know, you're like, oh, I want to go back and have, you know, be, have not read it and be able to experience it for the first time all over again. Oh, absolutely. It's that the book hangover, I think, is yes. what people call yes, it, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. I usually have to take a day. I can't start something right away. I have to sort of take a day or maybe even more and kind of recover from the good ones. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope everyone enjoyed hearing your story as much as I did. And I really appreciate you coming on to talk with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Sassy. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join us on LinkedIn at Sassy Podcast to stay in the know about future episodes and guests.